That's a nigun from Rivraz Hartman. It's important to learn a new nigun that you don't know. This is my father's bar mitzvah parsha. My father's an ophthalmologist, my doctor, and he one time had the good fortune of having yichidus with one of the tzaddikim of our generation, the Amshnava Rebbe. Uh, I don't remember if I had yichidus with Amshnava Rebbe either shortly before or shortly after. It was within, you know, 20 minutes of each other. And um, all I know is that everyone was going in and asking the Rebbe questions or, you know, asking for different etzos, different pieces of advice. My father went in. He looked at the Rebbe in the eyes and he said, I am an eye doctor, and I say to Hillam Ayin. And the Rebbe looked at him like, yeah, what's next? And he's like, that's it, that'll be all. And he walked out. So my father, an eye doctor who understands things that, you know, <laughs> you go into the Amshan of a Rebbe and you, you tell the Amshan of a Rebbe what your, you know, what your profession is and what to Hillam you say, it's not the regular, the regular thing. So I, I, I believe, although my father's an incredibly an incredibly uh, regular person on the one hand. I believe that my father is a very... Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky said a person has to look to their parents if they're fortunate to have living parents or to their grandparents, to their ancestors. They have to look to their parents like superheroes. You know, they have to think of their, of their parents as superheroes, even if it's the most difficult thing in the world, even if you, know, you have a really tough relationship with your parents. Person has to be able to look at their parents as superheroes. That's part of the mitzvah of kibbutz of aim. That's what he writes. Poskim. That person should look at their parents with a sense of of awe and reverence, like these people are superheroes. So it's my father's bar mitzvah parsha. It happens to be that my bar mitzvah parsha is parsha's bechukosai, and my father's bar mitzvah parsha is parsha's kisavo. And if you if you're a balkore or if you know a little bit how the Torah works, so you know that. The Chukosai and Kisav are the two parshios in the Torah that have the curses in them. That's something my father and I share very strongly. Now, my Rebbe growing up was Rabbi Avraham Yitzchak Levin. He was the grandson of Rabbi Ari Levin, who was one of the tzaddikim of Yerushalayim. He used to spend summers with Rabbi Ari Levin, and he told me, when it was my bar mitzvah, that his, his minog, the custom that he got, the minog, I don't know if it's a minog Yerushalayim, or if it's a minog of his grandfather, where he got it from, he said, the minig is that the bar mitzvah boy doesn't lay in the curses. Maybe it's not appropriate, you know, who's this little shrimp, you know, giving all these warnings, like, if you don't keep the Torah, you know, the, what do you know about keeping the Torah? He barely just became bar mitzvah. So that's the simple interpretation, you know. So who read the, the tocha, who read the curses, the part of the, of the, of Parshas Kosei that are a little bit stronger language? So I said, my, my father should read it. My father should read the, the Tokacha. And I don't know what happened when my father was born. It's his father read the Tokacha. But what I do know is that when a person hears the Tokacha, which is this Parsha has these sharper criticisms of what will happen when we don't keep the Torah properly, when you hear it read by your father, it's a different thing. When you hear Tokacha being read by your father, it's not the same thing as hearing it in a way that, that's painful. It's laced with a, a sense of love and a sense of concern. 
for you and for your well-being. Now, Alter Rebbe of Lubavitch, when the first Lubavitch Rebbe, Rav Shneir Zalman of Liadi, used to read from the Torah. So he was the, he was the official Balkore in the Maggid of Mezrich's uh, minion. And he used to read the Torah even after, long after his Rebbe passed away, he was, he was always the Balkore. One year, because he was traveling somewhere, he wasn't around to read Parshas Kisavo. And somebody filled in for him and read the Tochacha. And his son, Rav Dovber, heard the leaning, and when they got up to the Tochacha, he started shaking. And a few psukim in, he fainted. Now, Ad Kach, he fainted, and we have a record of this, that he was still asking shilas of doctors. We have the written. He was asking questions from the, from the doctors whether he could fast on Yom Kippur. That's quite a ways away. Meaning the effect of the trauma of this passing out was so strong that when it came time for Yom Kippur, he still wasn't sure if he was going to be able to fast. Like, he was in such a weakened state. So somebody asked, one of the Hasidim of the Alter Rebbe asked, Dovber, they asked the son, what happened? Like, you hear the Tocha every year? And he said, every year when I hear my father read it, I don't hear, the, I don't hear any curses. The way my father reads it, he reads it with such a fatherly sweetness. I don't, the curses that he somehow, I don't know how he does it, but he somehow, he weaves in and out of the Pesukim in a way that it, it sounds like blessings. But when I heard somebody else read the Torah that way, it hit me so strong it was like I heard the Tocha for the first time in my whole life. And I was so deeply moved and sh- shaken by that experience that I, I, I passed out. There's a way of reading the Torah, there's a way of learning Torah, which is called an elixir of life, which is called medicine. I have a very dear friend who occasionally listens to these recordings from these Thursday afternoon, and he always says the same thing to me. He says... It's medicine. Thank you for the medicine. There's a way of learning Torah that's called medicine. There's a way of learning Torah that starts with a tefillah before, where you say, Hashem, open my mouth and let me say your praises. Let me learn the Torah in a way of tefillah. That's what we say when we start Shon Esri, right? There's a way of before speaking, not knowing what you're going to say, in the same way that when you're talking to a friend, you don't know what you're going to say, and you're standing in front of the... Sh- the, the giver of the Torah, not just in front of the Torah, but the giver of the Torah in the room together with us. And you say, Hashem, open my mouth and let every person here hear exactly what they need to hear. And let me say it exactly in the way that they need to hear it. Let the first nigan and the second nigan be exactly the nigunim that need to be heard here. And that's called, that's called a samachayim, that's called a Torah of life. It's a living Torah. Because Chazal also talk about a Torah that's called the Torah of death. You can believe such a thing, right? The Torah of death. I have no doubt that everybody in this room at one point or another heard something from somebody, a teacher, a parent, a counselor in camp or something, heard a Torah of death. I still remember when I was in fifth grade and I heard a Torah of death from somebody. A teacher who was saying what the Torah expected of me in a way where I must have disappointed them in some way. They were telling me what the Torah says, but instead of saying in a way where I would hear a Torah of life, where I would hear the Tochacha from my father, I heard something that 
was basically saying over and over, this is what you need to be, and you'll never be able to reach it. That's called the Samha Hamavas, that's called the Torah of Death. When we learn Torah, you come to Eretz Yisrael, you come to Yeshiva, and you come to study, or any time you open up a Sefer, there's a choice. There's a Torah of life and there's a Torah of death. And a person needs to daven, we need to ask Hashem for success, that we should hear exactly what it is Hashem wants us to hear now. That the Torah that was given in the year 2448 from the creation of Adam Rishon, an old Torah, that it shouldn't be old, that it should be new, that it should be fresh, that it should be like the first time we're ever opening it up. That we should never feel like, oh, I learned, you know, I learned uh, the second parak of Sukkah already in high school. I learned it already. It's not possible that you learned it already because Hashem is saying it today. If you're hearing it from your father in the way of the Samachayim, in the way of life, it's fresh as if it was given today. And every once in a while, it, it's important to, uh, everything that I, I ever try to say, I'm trying to say from the place of the Samachayim. And that's true of all the Rebbeim. And it's true of all, all the, the Shalabet guys who share Torah with you. It's true. It's true. All of Amisar is trying to say from the... But every once in a while we have to put away the Mara Makomos and we have to put away the pre-prepared teachings and try to enter into a space of on-purpose stated goal of speaking Torah from a place of the Samachayim, of a place of life. Vaya kisavu la'aretz, a person comes to Eretz Yisrael, vaya simcha, person comes to Eretz Yisrael and they take the racious pre, Admaschei, take the beginning fruits. There's a type of Torah, which is old Torah, which is not, it's not the first fruits. It's old fruits. When a person wants to come to the land and they want to taste from this place, which is called Eretz HaChaim. Eretz Yisrael is called the place of Eretz HaChaim. It's called the land of life. It's the place where it's much easier it's much easier to have access to the Samachayim, to hear what is the Torah speaking to me right now. We're right next to the place where Misham Shovin Rach HaKodesh. The Gemara says, why is it called the Simchas Beis HaShoeva? It's the Gemara in Sukkah, at the end of Sukkah. Why is it called the Simchas Beis HaShoeva? On Sukkot, on the nights of Sukkot, they go and they make a big party in the Beis Mikdash. It's called the Simchas Beis HaShoeva, the place of the celebration of the drawing forth. They're not just drawing water to pour on the Mizbeach the next day. People would go to the Simchas Beis Shreva and just being in the place of the Beis Hamikdash, there would be Shoyev Nevuah. They would get Ruch Hakodesh. Ruch Hakodesh means learning the Torah in the way of Sam Hachaim, learning the Torah in the way which is the Torah of life. And Eretz Yisrael is the Eretz Hachaim. It's the land of life, or it can be. It can be. It's much more sensitive. So a person comes and they take the racious Priyad Maschah. It's not an old fruit. They take the first fruit. You know what it means the first fruit? It means that you're looking at Parshas Kisavo. Tomorrow, you have an opportunity to do a little Shnai Mikra to over, look over the Parsha before you hear the Balkor to read it. Which is supposed to be an event, like we're hearing it for the first time. You open it up and you say, yeah, I read this last year. No. Reishis Priyad Mascha. It's the first time I'm ever hearing it. And the Ishbitzer says on this Pasuk, Reishis Priyad Mascha, he says afterwards, it says you should put the, you should put the fruit in the tenne, in the uh, in the basket, the samta batenne. You should put it in the, in the basket. So go look at the meishelach there. You'll see the meishelach says that the word batenne 
because he's trying to get at. He said the word batena, to put it in a basket, has the same, it's, batena tena is 60, famously, there's a lot of Torah about that. The, the word tena, the basket means 60, it's, or Chayim HaKadosh Arde Rishon, because it corresponds to the 60 Masechtas of Shas. Batena is 62, because there's a base before, it's 62. And the Ishbitzer says something very cryptic. He says the word batena is bigamatria matov. Matov. Which is a reference to what the Gemara says, davar bi'ito, the Gemara based on Pesukim, davar bi'ito matov. To say over a thing in its proper time how good that is. Sometimes you hear people say over Torah and you're saying, this is an old Torah, this is not for our time. Davar bi'ito matov usually means like, if I would start telling you some Torah about Hanukkah right now, you'd be like, it's not the right time for it. Davar bi'ito matov means saying something which is ba'atar, which is relevant to the moment. That's like, ah, it's so good to hear something which is relevant to now. Hearing like a Torah which is like, you know, Hanukkah Torah, it's like a, you, have to, you have to play the Kislev Migan a few times before you hear like a Hanukkah Torah. It's like, you can't just be in Hanukkah, you have to go through this like a, this is Rosh Hashanah, Kippur, Sukkis, there's like an order to things. But also means to be able to take the Rashi's Priyad Mascha, to take the first fruit that you're hearing for the first time, and to put it into the tenet, to make it something which is matov, to say something which is relevant to now. It's not the way the Yishwitzer says it, but it's the real Kim To put it in the tenna. A tenna, uh, uh, like, like Chazal say, that one of, the, one of the qualities that make it a basket is that it's nakuv, it has holes in it. A basket means it has holes. It's not a bowl, it's a basket. Dafka that has holes. Holes, the Ishbitzer says, means that it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a person is being tochel kibaro. You can see the inside and the outside of the basket. And sometimes there's a Torah that on the surface feels like one thing, and on the inside it's, it makes you feel a totally different way. But there's a way of learning Torah which is the inside and the outside are the same. Where all of a sudden I come face to face with the person that I'm truly trying to be all my life. And for the first time, I said, whoa, that's what the Torah is. I never realized what Torah was. The whole time, I thought Torah was tests, and I thought it was, you know, source sheets, and I thought it was information. All of a sudden, you're able to say, if you just stop for a minute, and you, you, you know everything, you came here already. I don't, it doesn't really matter what your background is. You could come from, from 12 years of, of Jewish education, or, you know, one year of Jewish education, or you were in public school your whole life, and you never studied in yeshiva. You know enough Torah, if you're sitting here in this room, that you could spend the rest of your life just excavating what you already know. And so the idea here is to sit without a source sheet or a text or knowing and say, what, what is coming up from the inside of me? Like a tenna, where there's a hole, where there's the inside and the outside are, are transparent. There's, there's one and the same on the inside and the outside. To take your Torah and to put it into a tenna means to be able to take the resh, to look at the Torah for the first time. What is Hashem saying to me right now? Sadiqim say that the word tenna also, is a, there's a whole way of studying Torah that's called tanta. Tanta stands for tagim, nekudos, ta'amim, osios. Ta'amim, nekudos, tagim, osios. That's how it is. Ta'amim first, because ta'amim is the highest. Ta'amim nukudus osios, tagim osios, tanta. Taf nun, test nun, taf alef. There's four different levels of studying the Torah. 
You could study on the level of Aleph, which is the osios, that's the letters. That's the simple interpretation of the Torah, that's the pshat. Then you put in the nekudos, all of a sudden they start to come to life. The, the letters start to have sounds to them. An Aleph, a Beis, a Gimel, without any nekuda, you're not exactly sure how to pronounce it. It's there, it's some sort of theoretical wisdom, but you're not sure exactly how to crack it. So there's a deeper level of studying, that's called the, the studying on the level of the, of the, of the nekudos. There's the tagin. The highest level is the, the level of the ta'amim, the ta'ameh hamikra, the, the song. The song of the Torah. The Torah has a song. The Vilna Gon, one of the Talmud of the Vilna Gon, writes in the Sefer Pasa Shulchan, Sefer Halacha. So one of his, one of his Talmudim writes from, his, from the Rebbe, he said that the Vilna Gon said that if a person understood the Tameh Amikra, the secrets of the Tameh Amikra, contained within the secrets of the Tameh Amikra is the, all the wisdom of the 70 nations of the world, of all the wisdom of the world, and all of the Torah and all of its secrets, and the songs of the Levim and the Tameh Amikra. I have a sefer at home called Ta'ameh HaTamim. It's a really cool sefer. It goes through the psukim in the Torah. It's not on every pasuk. And it shows you how the psukim are specifically given the Ta'amim that they're given. Pretty amazing thing. Like, for example, I'll just give you an example so you have some idea what I'm saying. When, when, when Adam Rishon eats from the Eitz Hadas, the Ta'amim on that pasuk there's a, right in the middle, right by the, you know, right by talking about eating from the Itzadas, the Tameh the Amikra, I don't know if you, everyone here probably leaned at some point, so there's a Darga Severe. In Aramaic, Darga Severe means the level was broken. Meaning eating from the Itzadas caused Adam to lose whatever level he was on before eating from the Itzadas. Darga Severe, the level was broken. And all over the Torah, all of the Tamim are singing this background music to to, to what Hashem is trying to tell us, that's the highest level. So therefore, the tzaddikim say that when you, when you put the Torah in the tena, that means the tena is spelled tes nun aleph. That's the ta'amim, the nekudos, and the osios together. When a person takes the osios and the nekudos and the ta'amim and puts it together, ah, what happened to the tagim? It's a good question, I'm not sure. When you put the osios and the nekudos together with the, with the song of the Torah, so then, all of a sudden, you have access to Rashi's Bikura al Maschal. You have access for the first time you can taste Torah. And I'm not talking about, uh, you know, there's some people who are sitting here who are a little older, who are a little older they think they've been to a Devriel Kimchai before. I've never been to a Devriel Kimchai before. Because what Hashem has to give us, what Hashem can give us, Rashi's Bikura al Maschal. It'll be the first time we ever tasted Torah in our life. And even though we thought we tasted it before, we say, no, now I really tasted it. One of Rabbi Nachman's most celebrated and, and, and well-known stories was made into a song as well. Yain Hungary. The Yain Hungary, the, the Hungarian wine. There was once a man who had a, a cellar full of Hungarian wine, the, the finest wine in the land. And there was this schlepper, this fellow who was down on his luck. He needed to make some money, and he was always trying to get odd jobs. He stumbled across this very wealthy man who had a cellar full of wine from Hungary, this Hungarian wine, this delicious wine, almost, uh, you know, mythical wine. And uh, he happened to pass this guy as this guy was loading his wagon to take it to the town fair to sell it for serious money. 
one barrel could sustain himself for you know a few months. So the guy's loading up several barrels of this Hungarian wine. And he sees the guy struggling. He says, maybe I could help you carry the Hungarian wine. You know, maybe you'll pay me for my, for my troubles. So the guy says, yeah, that'd be really great, actually. It'd be amazing. So he starts schlepping the Hungarian wine onto his wagon, and the two of them are sitting there, and they're schmoozing, and they start to travel towards the fair. And on their way, the Balabais, the one who owns the wine, says to this fellow, he says, you ever tasted Hungarian wine before? So the guy says, Never, I can barely afford a shirt, you know, like Hungarian wine, it's, it's out of my league. So he says, I'll open a barrel for you, I'll give you a little, I'll give you a, give you a sip of Hungarian wine. So he opens up the barrel and he pours a little bit of wine into a, into a glass. The two of them are sitting there drinking Hungarian wine. Wow, this, this is really what they say. This is the real deal. They get to the fair, he helps them unload the barrels, he helps them sell, takes, a, you know, takes, takes care of the money, protects the money, gives them back the... At the end, the guy pays him for his help. The wine wasn't the payment, you know, he pays him for his, for his help. And he says, uh, okay, thank you so much. You know, thanks for your services. And the two of them part ways. Now he's at this fair, he's got to figure out how to get home. But he has a little bit of money and more than enough to get home. So he starts, you know, hitching a ride, trying to get home. And... The first wagon that he finds gets him like halfway. And they stop at some inn. And they walk into this inn, and this uh, schlepper sees that there's a bunch of people just came back from the fair. And uh, they're all celebrating, you know, their success, the success of their business. And they're all sitting around and they're drinking wine out of a barrel. And they invite him over and say, Come on, come on, it's on us. So he says, What are you drinking? And they say, It's Hungarian wine. We bought some Hungarian wine from the fair. So he's looking at it. And, you know, okay. It's definitely not the barrel, like he, he can see from the barrel. You know, it doesn't have the label of his... But maybe, the other people selling Hungarian wine, I'm sitting So they pour him a little bit of wine, and he drinks it, and he, just, and he spits it out. He says, this isn't Hungarian wine. I've tasted Hungarian... I know what Hungarian wine is. Rabbi Nachman ends the story there, and he says... That's the end of the story. And then he writes one line. He says, Misha ta'am yayin hungari, somebody who tasted Hungarian wine, lo yutuotam me'olam. They'll never be able to fool him again. If you taste Hungarian wine one time in your life, you'll never be able to be fooled again. And so the idea here is to be able to hear the Torah for the first time. So we'll be able to say, ah, that's what Torah really is. That's what Torah really is. Torah is not just a, a list of rules. It is that. And we have to follow those rules if we want to have any hope at being able to hear what Hashem is saying to us. The Torah is something which is the most fresh, the most innovative, the most new thing you've ever heard in your life. And Hashem is giving us an opportunity to study it here together.
As I was singing, I'm, I'm remembering there's a, there's a Torah from, uh, from the normal Melech, the Melech of Luzhensk, explained by, by the Torah over here, after the curses, such a, whoa, such a, after, by the curses, it says afterwards that they, would, they wrote down, they wrote down all the teachings that, that Moshe Rabbeinu was saying, all these curses, as it were, they wrote them down on, on stone so that people would be able to see them, and they wrote them, Be'er Hetev. Simple interpretation means that they wrote them down like clear, good, Be'er Hetev. They wrote with a good explanation that people would be able to understand it. But the Rebbe Reb Melech said, Rebbe Melech said, Be'er Hetev means to explain it good, like, as opposed to explaining it in a way that's a little harder. Be'er Hetev means to twist all the clothes that should be good. I think the Tasha Rabbi, maybe the Scully Rabbi, I don't remember. Maybe the, I think the Scully Rabbi has a sefer where he goes through all the klalos and he shows that every single one of the klalos is really a bracha. Like the most horrific thing in the world. I always think back to the same one. Though. The Scully Rabbi says, one of the klalos is, Shemirachim, you speak better than the kinos on, on, uh, on Tisha B'Av. One of the klalos is that, Rachman Litzlan, the Torah says, you'll eat the flesh of your own children. So the Rebbe says, you know what this means? It means that the Torah is going to be so strong that you're going to be able, it's going to be so sweet, it's going to be such a sam hachayim, it's going to be such a medicine, an elixir of life. You'll learn Torah in the right way. It's going to be so strong that it'll be so easy to pass it on to the next generation. You know, one of the saddest things in the world, I dropped off two suits at a lady yesterday, and so awesome. It's like the old Svartisha, Baba lady, you know, amazing lady she, she tailors our suits all the time it's like 10 shekel you know she does a great job and she's she thinks of herself as being on a certain religious level you know she wasn't raised in a home where she was she was taught to cover her hair and she you know she dresses in a certain way but so I, she, so I walk into the house clever where are we in El okay she has different color like little pancakes like latka looking things on the thing green orange white so as i was leaving because i was trying on the suits for her to tailor so you know i had to take my shoes on and off so i said can i wash my hands in your sink so she apologized because the sink was dirty and i saw she had these like little pancake things there so i said to her i said what are, what is this so she said there's a simonim for rosh hashanah she said, I, I always prepare them that they should be tasty. You know, the simanim for Rosh Hashanah, like the, you know, you eat apple and honey, and you eat, like, uh, some leek, and you eat, like, uh, she said, the green ones are, are, are spinach, and the, and the orange ones are, are, are squash, which is one of the simanim, and the white ones are, are, are leek. And there are the different simanim, which I like to prepare already, like, in El, I like to get prepared. She said, I would offer you one, but my kashras isn't, isn't good for you. She just assumed. I, don't, I, didn't, I didn't check. You know, I wasn't asking it. She said, my kashras is good for you. And there was a moment, you know, I've been speaking to a very dear friend of mine who lives in Tel Aviv, who's like very bothered by this idea that we can't eat at each other's houses because of strictures and kashras. And, and kashras is a real thing. 
you know, and, and maybe she's right. Maybe the kashras isn't, maybe her kashras isn't good enough for the way that we try to hold ourselves to a certain standard of kashras. It's the saddest thing, though. Can you imagine if a parent can't eat in their children's home? What could be sadder than that? This is a, a lady, you know, she's a nice lady. She tailors my suits, okay? It's sad that I can't eat her latkes, although maybe I, maybe I would, I don't know. But, uh, but you can't eat in your own children's home, so the, the Rebbe says, you know, you think it's a deep curse that says you'll eat your children's basar, basar yodechem, you'll eat your children's basar. It means you'll be able to go and have a barbecue at their house and trust their kashras that it didn't go down a level. There's not a yiridus hadoros. It'll, it'll transfer in a way where it's going to be, you know, whatever levels of kashras you have, that's your children going to have the same levels of kashras, if not better. And all of the, all of the klolos, all of the klolos, that the, that the Torah is saying, so the way that the author of used to read it, and the way that Sadiqim used to read it, and when you hear it read from your father, it's a be'er hetev, it's a good taich. A good taich doesn't mean that it's clear, it means that it's, it's an uplifting way of hearing. Strong teaching. I don't want to forget it. You know that one of the klolos is, Arashir lo yakim is Torah, so it's the last of the klolos. Rashi explains, it means, it means Arur, cursed is the person who doesn't keep the whole Torah. Like, who like completely, okay, you slip up once in a while, you don't know, that's not. But someone who like completely just ducks out of the entire Torah, that's the meaning of Arash or Loyakim is Esdivet Torah. So someone curses the person who doesn't keep the whole Torah. It's like a catch-all. That's why it's the last one. You know, it's like, if you don't keep the whole Torah, that's... Ramban quotes a Maimur Chazal, and he says this is the Pshat. He says, you know what it means, Arashir lo yakimis as the right Tarzos? Cursed is one who doesn't uphold the Torah? You would think it's a joke. It's the last of the Klolos. It's like the, the ultimate Klolos. It means, says the Ramban, amongst all the other things that it means, it means, cursed is the person who doesn't do Hagba properly. Like this morning, whoever did Hagba, like you better do a full 360 so everyone could see the, the, the Torah. That's the ultimate, that's like the, that's like the, after all the other things, you know, the last thing is, you didn't do Hagba properly. So, time is running away from us, and we'll have to be more careful to start on time. It's like over already. So. Um, I believe that the answer is, the Magen Avram quotes from the Arizal, in the halachos of, of Kriya Torah, where he talks about doing Hagba, that specifically when a person does Hagba, they're supposed to try to find a letter. You ever see somebody like, go with their pinky like this? Because they're trying to find the small... They're not looking at a word. They're trying to find a letter. But the temanim, they use their talisim with tzitzis. They make a little circle. and They put it by their eyes like this. And they try to find one, you try to find one letter. There's two ways of studying Torah, like we've been saying. There's a way of studying Torah where you're standing over the Torah and you're looking down at it and you're explaining what the Torah means. You're giving a taich to the Torah from above it. When you're doing that, you're reading words. Right? You're reading the words of the Torah. And you say, what do these words mean to me? You're giving your taich of what it means to you. But then there's a way of studying Torah which is called looking for a letter in the Torah. I don't even particularly care what the Torah is saying at this moment. All I want is to touch one of the letters of the Torah. I don't know what it means. I don't have to know what it means. 
but there's a letter, and that letter is a divine letter, and it, I'm not looking down at it, but I'm looking up at it. It's lifting me up. And the Ramban says that the explanation of Arashar lo yakim, curses one who doesn't hold the Torah, means the person doesn't do Hagba properly. What it means on a certain level, and even this curse should be a blessing, God forbid, no, no people should ever receive any curses. The Ramban is saying that what a waste if we have this precious gift called the Torah and we learn it in a way where it's not something that lifts us up, that we're looking up to it, but it's always knocking us down. It's always telling us, you're not doing this right, you're not doing this right. Look at you. You don't keep kosher right, like this lady was feeling, chas v'shalom, or you're not, your tzitzis aren't, aren't proper, or you don't wear tzitzis at all, or you haven't worn tefillin since your bar mitzvah, or you, 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 you know how, what you do in your room on Shabbos, and you're not... There's a way of hearing the Torah like that, and there's a way of hearing the Torah where the Torah is lifting you up. And where the Torah is saying, I believe in you every step of the way, and even if you're not doing it 100% yet, you're going to get there. Because this is who you are. This is not what's expected of you, this is who you are. There's a difference. That's why I always tell my children to go find the letter from your name. My son always gets excited to go find the ayin from Akiva, find a dollar from David. Because this is, this is the level of the Torah of letters, which means... The Torah is telling you who you are, independent of what you do. If a person is attached to the Torah of life on the way of who you are, so then it becomes much easier to do the Torah that's expected of you in terms of what you're supposed to do. Because no one's saying here that there's not a Torah that we're supposed to do. We are supposed to do, but first we have to know that there's a... That's why by the, by the Sfardim, by the Ashkenazim, by the Hasidim, you know, they do Hag... By Nusach Sfard, you do Hag before the laning. You could probably speak for a long time about this. The Svartan, they do the Hagwa before the laning. Before we learn the Torah, we want to find out, you know, who we are. And then we'll talk about what's expected of us. At Ashkenazim, first they want to feel a little bad, you know. At Ashkenazim, first they want to feel a little bad, you know, and then afterwards they need something to pick them up so that they don't... Uh... So my wife always says that Ashkenazim need Hasidus more than Svartan. Like the Svartan, they don't really need it because, like, you know, they never... They don't have that same... Like, they do barbecues, you know, they do like enough barbecues. Like you don't ever find that there's like a Svarti guy. He could be like a, a guy who doesn't wear, you, you'll meet these chevra, like cab drivers of the world in Eretz Yisrael. Like they look like they don't know too much and maybe they're not even wearing yarmulke, but like they know all of Tanakh by heart and like if you say something against God or his people, they will stop the cab and kick you out. You know, like these are the most deeply connected people in the world because they know who they are. Seder, we all have to work on what we know we have to do. But the first thing is to know, to have a good person doing a good hagba for you, lifting you up, so that you can see that your letter in the Torah, you'll be able to see who you are, so that maybe it'll be much easier to do what you have to do. Hashem should help us. Mm-hmm.